The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. Say something a little bit more colorful yeah, that, right. that, that Mike would have filled in the blank there for us. Welcome to On Education, part of the Education Podcast Network. I'm Glenn Irvin, and our special guest co-host is Andrew Arevalo. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. This week, we're going to break down what's going on between Apple and Google and what it means for our schools and especially our students. We will discuss the importance of incorporating the sustainable development goals into our curriculum. And our guest this week is educator and author Michelle Hyken. So welcome to the show, Drew. Thank you for agreeing to co-host, co-host today with me. Hey, thank you. I am just honored, you know, and completely humbled to, you know, take in a uh be part of this for today. And uh, hopefully I, I do this justice, right? And hopefully when Mike <laughs> hears it, he's like, all right, Game Boy Drew killed it. <laughs> and not like killed it like as in the negative way. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. So Mike is off traveling to China actually for work. Wow. And so I was just thinking about this, Drew. What are some of those bucket list destinations for travel? I know just... Recently, I mean, in your recent past, you've been able to travel, for example, to New York City, mm-hmm. and I've actually never been there. Uh, and so what are some of those places where you're like, ah, I, I definitely want to go visit there sometime in my life? Yeah, exactly. Um, so actually, it's funny that you, that you just asked me this because I'd say maybe um, a few months ago, Stephanie and I were having this conversation. By the way, Stephanie's my fiance, for those that don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and we were having this conversation of what our summer would be looking like, right? In terms of, are we going to go and attend conferences? Are we going to go and travel? And so we actually made the decision uh, for me to not submit any sessions for ISTE or, or any type of conference, like, you know, big conference that, you know, so in essence, what we said was we would forego any educational conferences and, and we would, Hence, use the money that we would have spent, right, to to go and travel to South Korea and to go oh, to Tokyo. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's so, incredible. So uh, that that's where we are. Hope, hopefully, you know, going to be attending this summer, and uh, we just got to get everything planned. But I know Stephanie's already looking up the prices, and the the really cool thing about South Korea specifically yeah. is that you know, um, prior to being in the classroom, so I had like my own independent tutoring business. Right. Yeah. And I was able to get in with the, the Korean population within my community. And oh. most of my clients were, were Korean. Right. And, and it's kind of odd the way that it works. But they would come here and live in our community for roughly anywhere from two to four years because, okay. you know, how we're on the border. Right. With Mexico. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, there's an algae factory right across the border in Mexico, in Mexicali. Oh, so they yeah. would come here, and it was like a part of their assignment, right, where they could choose to go. But they, in essence, they had to travel, though. They had to go 
and leave South Korea for like X amount of time. And so when they came here, uh, you know, they, they typically would live like in the Al Centro community and yeah. then they just commute to Mexicali. So, you know, they'd want to learn English, right? So they could, you know, of course. adapt and, and nice. be included. And, yeah. and I was able to meet a lot of great individuals. And um, since then, you know, many of them have gone back. And so I'm hoping to actually visit them because I've stayed in contact with them. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. That, and so interesting because you would never, I would never suspect that that, <laughs> yeah, that right? this, this is a part of the community there in, in, uh, oh, in yeah. El Centro, yeah, in the Imperial Valley. Um, so I was thinking about, I've traveled to Central America several times. And of course, my family w- lived in Mexico. So we were there quite often, but I, I've never been to Europe. Okay. So, so places like Spain and just just really just traveling throughout Europe. Oh, that'd be awesome. It, it would be amazing. Uh, just the experience of actually being around that architecture and history, mm-hmm. et cetera, and those kinds of things. Um, I think that would be amazing. And the food. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> hey, so since you mentioned Spain, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I always joke with my students because they ask me about my last name, Arevalo. And actually, it, yeah. within Spain, there's I, I've researched it, but there's like the small province and um, there's actually like an Arevalo um, like city. Oh, that's <laughs> and, awesome. And the really crazy thing about this is that there's a castle there. Oh, and is <laughs> so it I called joke with my Castillo? Students, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, you know that I come from like this lineage of like kings and <laughs> <laughs> my my castle is awaiting me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my return. <laughs> So uh, I, I've always told them that I, I definitely like to go and actually visit a Revelo one day. That'd be pretty neat. Exactly. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that. So I wanted to give our audience a quick update on the Impact Education Conference. And if you haven't already, get registered for that conference. It's just happening in a few weeks from now. We're also putting on a podcasting workshop, which we reference in the podcast often. And it's actually uh, very reasonable as far as to be able to attend that pre-conference uh, workshop. And no matter what, come by and just say hi. We have some giveaways, uh, including things from Fidgets, uh, one of our sponsors. So I was thinking about, Drew, hmm. what conferences as people think about, you know, the summer, we we do this kind of pre-planning. Yeah. Should people, you know, kind of invest, because it's an investment of money, oh, no yeah. matter what, Absolutely. whether it's the district funds or we have to pay for it, somebody's going to uh, have to spend some money. So what are those conferences that our viewers or our listeners, sorry, should be attending? You know, we have FETC coming up in January. Woohoo, Miami. Yes. <laughs> and then we have this summer, of course, the ISTE conference uh, is humongous, you know, those kinds of things. And I also was thinking about Q and it's all of its affiliates uh, there on the West Coast uh, and throughout the, you know, uh, Nevada, I think you were yeah. talk- talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but which ones should they – do you think it's like, okay, this is well worth that money? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in addition to the ones that you've mentioned, I mean, I, I had like my, my big moment was um, attending Spring Q two years ago, right? So that yeah. was before Game Boy drew, before <laughs> any of that. And, and it was like my world into, you know, like my view, I should say, into this new world of, you know, like connected educators and things like that. So it's on the West yeah. Coast. It has a huge presence here. And we are, uh, Q is the, the ISTE affiliate over here, right? So definitely yes. I'm getting excited for that one. That's in March. Um, and, and the nice. really cool thing about that one this year is that it actually lands on my birthday. 
right? So oh, uh, no opening way. day is my birthday. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you guys are going, coming to my birthday, right? <laughs> so Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my I'm, birthday at Q. Yeah, exactly, right? So I'm getting excited for that. And then obviously FETC, like you mentioned, in Miami in mm. January. That one for me, um, but my first time attending was last year as well. Yeah. And it was it was kind of scary simply because it was my first time traveling to the East Coast and kind yes. of like getting out of the the Q organization, you know, because I'm I'm so involved in our local, you know, I'm on the local Q affiliate board, and yes. you know that's kind of been my my exposure. But I was like, I I kind of want to see what the East Coast is doing or what different organizations are doing, and so I went to FETC last year and I absolutely fell in love. Um, you know, believe it or not, but that's actually where I met Mike. I'd never even heard of Mike <laughs> before <laughs> FETC. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, that was pretty neat, and uh, I, I'm yes. pretty pretty amped for that. So, and and the last one that I would mention too. I mean, you obviously you mentioned ISSI, but there is a new one that started last year. Had like its inauguration last year, and it's actually yeah. in San Diego, and it's Ed Innovate Live. Um, oh, I love that. And it's okay. by it, it's actually put on through the University of San Diego, and okay. the executive director there is Lisa Dolly. Uh, I don't know if you know her, Mike. Or sorry, uh, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. I've actually, I mean, I know her through Twitter, but not through anything else. Okay. So she's, she, yeah, yeah, she's associated with it. That's awesome. I, I feel like you guys would just, you know, connect so well. And and two, she's into gaming and things like that. Mm. So. She's just like part of the pack, like naturally, and I absolutely love her. And so she she put this one on right in addition to the University of San Diego, and I just definitely recommend. Um, it's this summer, and it's from August 2nd through the 4th. So I actually will be at that one for sure. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I was thinking about, Drew, one time in December, we're going to have to have you up here in Minnesota, the most beautiful time of year, <laughs> <laughs> for this Impact Education Conference, because you got we got to try to get you out here. Um, it's actually <laughs> it's actually happening. It's third week in December, so the temperature should you know vary between, uh, I don't know, minus something and minus something. <laughs> you know, uh, my, my as you mentioned that, like right away, the, yeah. the image in my head was from a Christmas story. You remember the little yeah. boy? Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> imagine Licking. imagine me yeah. just right there, like showing up at the place like, yeah. <laughs> from the desert. <laughs> You're freezing the death. Yeah, exactly. we're, telling, we're telling you to not not put your tongue right. on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be awesome though like, to actually yeah. be there one day. I mean, yeah, def- yes. definitely one, one of my bucket list things to, to be out over there one day. Awesome. Um, so. Usually, we talk different items that come up on Twitter. Uh, so this week, I actually wanted to talk about something that you posted just yesterday, I believe. So yeah. it's so powerful for, and I think important for all of us to go ahead and basically stand up mm-hmm. for all kinds of things as educators. Uh, so often, I felt that at the beginning of my career, I was actually told to just be quiet. Yeah. Like, uh, just mind your own business, do your things in your classroom, don't uh, ruffle any feathers, <laughs> you know, and then 30 years down the road, retire or whatever. You know, that was kind oh, of yeah, like the, the statement that, that uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, given. But let me read this tweet here. You said, uh, Mr. Arevalo, my so-and-so told me not to trust Mexicans. I could have ignored it. I could have sidestepped it. But to not confront it is to tolerate it. 
and in my classroom, that simply isn't an option. So I thought it was super powerful mm-hmm. because it's it's an important, I think, a learning moment, especially for you know uh, our, our students to make sure that they're not just exposed to one thing or those kinds of things. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So they have these different perspectives. And then I, I I knew someone basically responded and said, "How did you handle it?" And I'm glad you you responded with with this and you said i described my experience and i think that's the key right there mm-hmm. i think that was that's what holds us all back yeah. uh, as far as not being able to basically get along especially in the united states mm-hmm. is we don't want to listen or we haven't been able to have listen to the experience of the other side yeah. whatever that other side may be and you said in people treating me differently because of my identity i gave personal examples which is so important mm-hmm. shared how they made you feel and then told him that other individuals view certainly uh, didn't that because that other person felt this way it certainly didn't they didn't have to be yes. th- feel this way and then of course you told them and and you know that i'm mexican too yeah. and that's important that happens you know Obviously, uh, we've had these conversations before mm-hmm. as far as race and identity and those kinds of things. So tell us more about that. Like, because I, I think a lot of teachers are scared to say anything yeah. once these things come up. Oh, you know what oh I mean? absolutely. E- even actually just posting the, the tweet, I was like, yes, I don't know. I, I sh- Should I post a tweet? Should I share it? Should I, should I, you know, and I know that there's so many other individuals who are in this space, you know, and, and you know, fighting it and, you know. Yeah. talking about it and discussing it but um if you look at my feed I, I typically don't say those types of things right and so i was like no, no like why am i gonna hold back this was something that happened in my classroom and if you yes. know me you know I, I basically most of what i share is just the experiences and the things that happen in my classroom with my students and and i keep it real 100 percent, right yes. so it, it it was odd in the sense that it actually happened during a science lesson and we were talking about you know, forces out of all things, right? Forces. And, um, you know, one of my students mentioned, you know, briefly, we we're talking about accidents and forces yeah. behind it. And then he said that he was involved in an accident. Yeah. Um, and because of that incident that, you know, ever since then that his, you know, someone that he, you know, holds in really high regard, like told him that comment. Right. Yes. And, and so I was like, Oh, it kind of hit me like it felt like I was in the accident right there, you know, especially you were involved. Yeah. Yeah. Like like being the leader in the classroom and having all my students look at me like, wait, like what's Mr. (laughs) Revelo going to say? What's he going to do? And I thought about it just for, for, uh, you know, a couple of seconds. And I said, no, like, hey, let's confront this right now. Um, if I don't address it, you know, I, what, what are the, the what ifs, right? What, what can yes. happen and, and why wouldn't I, I use this moment to capitalize on it and turn it into like this beautiful learning experience for, for not just that student, but for those around, because, you know, my biggest thing is when, when a student hears these words, you know, they can choose to, you know, accept them as their own, or they can choose to fight it and, and not yes. accept it. And if I'm setting the example for my students, then I'm hoping that my kids are internalizing what I'm saying, right? And then going out into the world yeah. and and just understanding that they don't have to be that. That's not them. Um, that doesn't have yeah. to be their narrative. And oh, um, so so powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, and and I just spoke from from my experience and talked about mm-hmm. how um, in my life, uh, based off of my identity, right? How individuals have made me feel, and. Yeah. Um, I didn't share this example with him or my class, but I'll share this example with you. 
All right. Yeah, so on, on my way back from New York, uh, I, I sat next to another person of color, right, on the airplane. Yeah. And we got to talking and we found out that we were both educators, right? Oh, and, yeah. And we were just discussing. And then before I knew it, we were bonding, Glenn, and, and yeah. understanding one, one another based on those incidents, those racist incidents where, that we faced in our life. Yeah. And, and that's how we were empathizing with one another, me and this other individual. And I, mm. and I always remember like the, this, one of the examples she shared was that she was at Disneyland as a little girl. She's, yeah. She says she was you know, nine, ten years old, and she, she still remembers it to this date. And she talked about how she was with her family and a little girl in front of her dropped her, um, you know, stuffed animal. And so okay. she ran to go pick it up and to give yeah. it to her. And the little girl and her parents turned around. And when they saw, you know, that she was a person of color, the, they said that she could just keep it. She could just oh. keep the stuffed animal. Oh, God. And, and she remembers how much she felt that because... Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? I was like, oh my God, because she touched it, right? Because she, she tainted it. Um, and so that's how me and this other individual were bonding. And, and yeah. it sucks that, that that's mm -hmm. the the narrative that so many others face. And um, like I said, I just, I, I didn't want my kids to, to be part of that. And, and I, if I could definitely use it as a teachable moment, then then I'm going to. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing that you're talking about here is the ability for someone to get to hear the story, the other side mm -hmm. of this coin or whatever it might be. And then to be able to kind of go, yeah, we're actually not that different. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about is that too many times we try to find our differences between each other. And then to, and then often once you get to know somebody, you're like, ah, oh, mm -hmm. why, wh why did I even have those things, those <laughs> thoughts, those whatever it might be. Uh, definitely a, a super powerful moment, man. I I commend you, number no. one, for putting that on there. But number two, that's that this is the the type of message that your students actually get to to hear and get to learn. Yeah. You know, just basically get to. And you're not and you weren't preaching either, which is awesome. You were just giving them yeah your your side of the entire thing, and then letting them now make a their own decision on whatever you know, which way they're going to exactly. move forward as far as in life. I think that's super powerful moment. So uh, I was looking through some different articles and we like to talk at tech around here. Mm -hmm. And there was this like crazy, I think, article <laughs> about Apple versus Google, basically. And Apple's uh, head of marketing called uh, the Chromebooks, cheap <laughs> testing tools, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and then said that, that kids who use them in school won't succeed. Now, it's an interesting thing to say publicly, you know, oh, I mean? yeah. like, I mean, I understand the competition of, of the markets and those kinds of things. And if we look at realistically, and Mike and I have uh, the Chromebook and the different versions of it mm -hmm. are basically a ginormous chunk of the edtech one-to-one market. Yeah. Uh, they are, I think they're like in the 70th percent mm -hmm. of the market. Mm -hmm. And so then all of the other Apple devices, let's say the iPads and uh, anything else, you know, we have MacBooks at our school are probably only 
10 to 15% of the entire marketplace, yeah. you know? So it's an interesting thing for them to say. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, I, I mean, when I heard, I mean, honestly, yeah. my initial reaction was like, wow, that that's a very privileged comment to make. Yes. You know, yes. I, if you understood the, the dynamics of, of what actually happens in, in a school environment and who we're actually serving and, and understood budgets, I mean, wow. I was like, at my district, you know, we're not one to one, and and all we have right now is we have one Chromebook cart per grade level, and and, and to give you an example of you know the size of each grade level, we have anywhere from four to five to six teachers per grade level sharing one yep. one and one cart. one Chromebook cart exactly. Yes. Um. So when I hear those types of comments, I'm like, wow, like okay, like <laughs> very coming from like a per- privileged background, obviously yes. because. I mean, I can't tell you enough, like just when my students and I get are exposed to like, you know, the, these devices and the learning that, that can actually happen with these, you know, because we have access to Chromebooks and not Macs, yes. you know, I, I couldn't even imagine. And, and that, that isn't to say that, <laughs> yes. that, you know, Macs aren't great operate, you know, that they aren't great devices, right? It's just the fact that that's not our reality. Um, no, and, and, no. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not the reality for tons of districts, right, uh, throughout the country. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously people are making the decision to purchase these Chromebooks because they are viable devices, number one. But number two, they are viable devices that are that are within the budgets. You can buy, you know, one MacBook is $800 mm-hmm. uh, and a Chromebook, you could probably buy four Chromebooks. You yeah. know, like, I mean, that that's crazy to think of that. And then then it's an equity piece is like you just described. Mm-hmm. We can actually get more devices in the hands of more students with the amount of funds that we actually have as far as to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was crazy that they were, that that would be the, especially by a marketing head. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just, it's never going to sit well. It, you know, it, I mean, you can it, t- I was yeah. just, sorry, I was going to say it might be something, no. you know, that, that he knows to be 100% true, like in his mind, yeah. but maybe just not, uh, pro- probably not say it publicly, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, where a bunch of people are going to yeah. be like, well, now, even if it is an awesome device, now I'm just not going to buy it just because you said that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. No, totally. It turns you off. Oh, yeah. uh, because, I mean, in the end, I I love Apple products. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love iPads. They're amazing. And we just, and you're right. We happen to be super privileged at the school district that I work in. We have MacBooks at 9 through 12. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, three through uh, eight, we have one-to-one iPads. I mean, that's super yeah. rare. Oh, yeah. You know, though we want to, I think a, a lot of times we get into these, uh, especially on Twitter, I think is the biggest place where everybody thinks that everybody's on the same uh, playing field. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like everybody it is one-to-one, number one. Yeah. What you just said, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're not. You have devices to be able to share. Uh, that everybody has the money to be able to afford these types of devices. And they choose to buy it. And you know, I don't want to call it an inferior device because it's just a different device. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. The Chromebook is different. Is different. Of course, it doesn't have all of the things that an iPad can do, and of course, not a MacBook. But they're di- just they're for different purposes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and the way that people use them is amazing. I think. Yeah. As far as being able to expose kids to all kinds of things, you know, and, and do all kinds of creative activities Absolutely. with them. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting take. I, I hope that, uh, 
Apple doesn't continue down this path of basically. <laughs> yeah, you know otherwise I mean? you're gonna like essentially alienate all their their yes. prospective customers and be like, yeah, well, I'm not going with yeah. them. <laughs> forget you, yeah, forget exactly. you guys, exactly. Except, exactly. except not saying forget you, but saying something else, right? <laughs> <laughs> saying something a little bit more colorful yeah, that, right? that that Mike would have filled in the blank there for us. Yes. <laughs> So everybody, when we come back, I'm so actually thankful to have Drew here on the show to discuss the importance of embedding the sustainable development goals into our curriculum. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by FreshGrade. Are you spending too much time stumbling between apps and duplicating work? Want to spend more time connecting with your students? FreshGrade Next has powerful new lesson planning tools that will give you the flexibility you need to focus on engaging and inspiring your students. FreshGrade Next is designed for teachers and made for learning. Integrated, simple, and powerful. To learn more about FreshGrade Next and sign up for your free account, visit freshgrade.com. On Education is brought to you by Sourcewell Technology and the Impact Education Conference. Join Jimmy Casas, Angela Myers, Michael Cohen, Jordan Shapiro, the On Education podcast team, amazing featured speakers, and thousands of educators December 14th through 17th in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the region's best education conference. Register now using promo code ONEDUCATION2019 for $30 off your registration. Also, with every registration, you'll receive a free book of your choice from one of the amazing speakers. To register for the conference, visit impact.sourcewelltech.org. That's impact.sourcewelltech.org. So welcome back, everyone. So super excited, actually, to talk about the sustainable development goals and really finding ways to connect them to our current situation, whatever curriculum we teach, whatever content or grade level we teach. And I know that this summer when we were talking to Dr. Jennifer Williams about the sustainable development goals, we just didn't have enough time to go and dig deep you know, into any of these things. Um, but Drew, you actually wrote an article called Learning Through Stempathy. And it's just it's a fantastic take on the sustainable development goals and basically giving you specific examples. That's the part I really love about lessons that you've used and kind of how they're interweaved and, and the way that you pulled them all together to connect them to the sustainable development goals and then push the kids so much further too. So uh, first, why don't we go ahead and tell the audience, Drew, Mm -hmm. what are these sustainable development goals and why are they important? Absolutely. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, Jennifer Williams, she, she was the one that kind of got me started with all of this actually. Um, once I attended her, I attended her session last year at FETC and that's where I was introduced to the goals. So essentially the global goals, also known as the sustainable development goals or the SDGs, uh, they were adopted by the UN member states in 2015 as a measure to preserve Mother Earth and all of her inhabitants. So these goals target the most pressing issues that humanity collectively faces, such as um, inequality, climate change, poverty, you know, et cetera. Mm. And, you know, only through like this global effort um, of all the member states of the UN can we turn the shared vision into a reality, you know, capable of extending life forward, right? And um, it does have an... I, I don't want to call yes. it a, an expiration date, but it has a target date of 2030 where 
by this year, um, we are expected to, you know, make all of these goals, you know, turn them from a dream into a reality. So Drew, in your, a lot of your content that you're teaching has to do, or you're bringing in the concepts of STEM or STEAM. So how do we connect these sustainable development goals that you just finished describing and then pull them into STEM and STEAM? Because I mean, I love the art, the name of the uh, post learning through stempathy. Absolutely. Right. And, and the greater question is, well, why? Why do we do this, right? Yeah. So um, I'm going to yes. re- read the little segment from my, my actual article, right? And um, I, I do want to just give credit to Michelle Moore. Uh, she She's the individual yeah. who actually, like I've seen, use this term often, uh, stempathy, right? <laughs> and and I remember the yes. first time she used it, I was so intrigued by it. I was like, what is stempathy, right? What what actually is it? Yeah. And, and why should it be included in the classroom? So anyways, um. I want my students to recognize how science, technology, engineering, and math intersect in meaningful ways to transform their world into a better place for everyone, right? And more than anything, Mm. I'd like for them to be at the forefront of enrichment by actually empowering them to use their hands, minds, and hearts to create with intention. And that means giving them opportunities to internalize the design thinking process so that empathy comes naturally. And that's kind of like one of the main things I'm doing in my classroom since being introduced to the goals is understanding that there is a greater connection um, to be made in terms of actually linking what we're doing in terms of our learning, but more specifically to one of our goals. So in essence, um, I'm going to kind of talk about one lesson that I did last year uh, that was pretty, pretty life changing, at least for, for, you know, my students. And basically what they had to do was our, our ELA standard was, you know, they, they had to research, uh, you know, a topic. And then from there, they were going to yeah. have to actually create and like write an essay, an informative essay. Right. So I thought, yes. well, how cool would it be to actually make it a little bit more meaningful and not just give them like this random topic, but actually yeah, um, of course. what we did was I said, I want you to research, um, you know, a different disability, something that, that you've, mm-hmm. you know, heard of before whether it's, you know, someone you know of or just someone that, that you know, or something that you want to know more about. So as they research these different disabilities, um, the, the next part of this was actually what they were going to do was they were going to go back in time and they, they selected a game console, right? And upon mm, making that yes. selection, what they had to do was they had to take the game control for that game console and they had to make it adaptive to uh, fit the, the specific needs of that disability that they researched and that they actually explored. So in Love doing this. this, I was able to foster in SDG number 10, which is all about reducing inequalities. And then mm. um, within that goal, there's like micro targets. And, and I was able to actually yeah. um, focus specifically on promoting universal sh- uh, social inclusion and ensuring equal opportunities. Mm. Uh, so Gosh. it was really neat just to see my students go through this whole process, right? Of, uh, I mean, cause they actually had to, um, and I haven't said it yet, but then they actually had to make the, the game control, uh, with cardboard. So, and, and I made them oh, make it to yes. scale. So, you know, and okay. it had to, you know, be like, like legit, like this is how it would be if it could. And, and if we had made it, but more specifically, they had to justify, well, why would it look like that? Why would it have the, this yeah. big button or why would it have this feature? Um, but more again, specifically to the disability 
of the individual with it, right? So, um, you know, I had everything from Nintendo Switches being made to (laughs) Xboxes, Playstations, and everything was made through cardboard. And it was pretty cool because there was like that uh, geometry part of my math standards that I was able to integrate. Um, And that that was really hard because... And engineering oh, yeah. too. I, I mean, mean, and prototyping. It's all of this stuff. Like someone, you know, in a lot of these uh, big companies, is all the the skills that they want our students to yeah. to have, and you're incorporating them all, and for a greater purpose too. That's the part that's like so mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah, that was that was one of the the really neat things is to actually go through the design thinking process with my kids as they were prototyping right, what their control might look like and, and why it would look like that. Um, so, and then the, the last part of this, I would say, is like just to blending in some lessons from teaching tolerance, um, where we actually got to explore what disabilities, what they actually were, right? And, um, you know, just, again, making sure my students were, were developing that empathy component for others and then actually creating solutions to help people who might be different, so often, Drew, our teachers get overwhelmed when they hear these concepts. They, they're excited about them, but they don't know how to actually go ahead and apply them. And I, I, I would send them to obviously to your blog to be able to read this and get some examples. But what are the resources? Where would you send them to? Um, I'd love to help. So I, I would definitely recommend starting with it's called the Table of Targets, the Global Goals. And it um, hopefully Glenn could actually get that resource linked in for, for anyone who's interested in learning more. But basically what this resource does is it breaks down, it breaks down the goals by these subcategories. And once you're able to actually see them in their full transparency, it makes it a little bit easier to actually plan with them and link those to you know specific uh, standards, right, that you actually have to teach. Um, so two, I would just keep in mind that, you know, the, the lesson that I mentioned right now sounded pretty complex or, or comprehensive, but... We, we, we yeah. tackled it in stages, right? So we started, sm- yeah, it started small and then kind of after one phase of it was complete, then we extended it. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, go like full force on this. I would say like yeah. start small and then after, you know, you feel a little bit more comfortable, then you can actually just add another layer and extend the, extend the, sure. the lesson, right? So, um but yeah, I, I think definitely go and check out the the resource that should be linked down below. Um, or awesome. just, you know, yeah, we'll make yeah, sure. message me and I can also help, right? <laughs> Perfect. Yes. And I we'll go ahead and put it in the show notes for sure that what the, the link to be able to get to this and any other types of things that you think we should go ahead and share, Drew, uh, with our yeah. audience. Uh, and then I, I want to thank you, man, for being my co-host today, you rocked it. Uh, it's super awesome. Uh, and I think next week we're going to have a different co-host and we'll see what, uh, we'll surprise our audience with that. Uh, but thank you again, Drew, for, for joining us today. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. And hopefully I, I uh, you know, didn't butcher this too much <laughs> and hopefully you guys don't lose a whole bunch of subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, Game Boy Drew, right? No, I'm joking. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, it was, I'm just very humbled, you know, to, to be able to share through your awesome and amazing platform. So thank you guys. Awesome. So everybody, when we come back, we'll be joined by Michelle Hyken. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Fidgets. 
Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that support all major programming languages that make physical computing easy. Fidgets keep the emphasis on coding while increasing student engagement. And the best part is that you can get started for free right now. Simply go to bit.ly slash fidgets on education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's bit.ly slash fidgets on education. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is an amazing educator and author who is passionate about promoting literacy in creative ways to improve student learning and understanding. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle Heiken. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. Thank you. I, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name. You're good. <laughs> is, you're good. Is that right? I always okay, say okay. it rhymes with bacon. So. Okay. Haken. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So, Michelle, for our audience members that maybe aren't familiar with you, could you tell them a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and then what, what you do? Okay. Definitely. So, I have been teaching middle school English for the past 20 years. I currently live in Stamford, Connecticut, but I teach right across the border in Westchester, New York, which which is about uh, 35 minutes outside of New York City. Um, in addition, I have been adjuncting at a prof- as a literacy professor at a small college um, close in Westchester, and I have authored three books all about literacy, <laughs> yes. uh, from reading, uh, writing now, and uh, gaming. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you remember me, but we actually met a few years back and I was going to, I was telling you, I was going to tell you this and you actually presented and keynoted at this, uh, one of my favorite conferences of all time. Uh, if anybody gets a chance to, to attend this, it's called the Games and Education Conference and it happens in yes. Troy, the Troy Albany area. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And I remember specifically you speaking on the topic of game. I mean, everybody was about games-based learning, gamification, but you, I, I specifically remember you were talking about gamification and reading, which I found exciting. Everything that you were talking about, I was like, this actually applies to second language learning or it applies to any content area. And I even purchased a book and I'm going to show it to you right now. Oh, the reader. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I still, uh, Tracy G, what a fabulous yes. author. Yes. I, that, that whole concept of the book is, I mean, yeah, that was my story that propelled my gamification to the next level with that yes. YA book. And you do know that there is two other parts to that story. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, Yes. And I, I was, uh, I, I listened to you, I wrote this down and I just wanted you to know that you influenced me and I bought that, but I read Thank that book you. and it is amazing. You were right. It's very unique in the way that it's presented and what a great story. And then I could see how you, when you were speaking to us about incorporating books like this into your classroom, how how well that meshed together. So you've actually written several books about the literacy and gamification, and your latest book is called New Realms for Writing. So what was the inspiration for this latest book? 
Well, I think, you know, literacy as an English teacher, you know, we always focus on reading, writing, speaking, listening, you know, those core, like foundational standards. But, you know, that has the idea of what we believe as the text, like years ago, it was the print book. I mean, we all, I cherish books, but, you know, that text has changed and become so multimodal with podcasts and um, with visual media and digital media that like why relegate just reading books in our content area classrooms you know if we look at it as a text we can approach it in so many different ways and students can be reading and writing these multimodal texts so I wanted to talk about the podcasting I do in my classroom the visual literacy the film design that my students do um, as well as all different other projects where it's not uh, focused on just poetry it's like now I'm moving into like poetry and makerspace and robots versus like doing elevator pitches or having students script out and create their own podcast to share nice. their investigations and research about topics that they're passionate about. So I'm going to paraphrase something you said or that you wrote somewhere. <laughs> and it, it basically says that you should start projects by asking students like what they want to do to change the world. And yeah. I love that lead up. Yes. Like, for example, whether it's lead and drinking in in Michigan, drinking water, sorry, mm-hmm. in, in uh, Michigan or gun violence, that's pertinent to our schools. It actually happens every too often right now. Yes. Um, and I was just thinking about that, that many times creativity, though, takes a backseat. I think especially my wife is an uh, English language arts teacher in high school because of the pressure to have students perform, unfortunately, on these like high stakes summative assessments yes. where you feel you have to you know, teach to the book or the core or whatever it might be, whatever you want to do. But how have you been able to incorporate, even within those circumstances, still be innovative in your approach? Because you've talked about some of the things that you're doing as far as in your classroom. How do you balance those two things? Sure. I mean, the first thing I have to say is I'm so thankful that I have a principal that supports me and we could have engaging conversations and talking about multimodal texts in our English classroom and, you know, addressing 21st century skills and technology and helping students to be those creative communicators. So, I mean, that's the first thing. Um, But the pendulum swings back and forth between like, we have a test, but we have 21st century skills. And when they get out of school, (laughs) there's going to be no test like that. Um, So, you know, teachers today were juggling so much. Um, And it's not to say that, you know, this is how you write a five paragraph essay, because, you know, I was a huge, you know, I'll say podcasting has exploded in the past Mm -hmm. two, three years. And there are some unbelievable podcasts that like I just have running on uh, my phone as I'm driving to work and driving home. But before I'd say like the whole podcast explosion, I was like an NPR podcast junkie. Oh, yeah. And I was like obsessed with Radiolab. And it was on (laughs) at like three o'clock on a Friday when I was driving home and I'd get stuck in traffic. (laughs) And I'd have that time to sit Mm -hmm. and listen. And I'd listen to it 
every single week and it would start to like I was able to just like you know pull back the layers like once you get to the like this is what it's about we're talking about Lucy the mm. the the monkey the gorilla who lived yes. um, but then you start like wow look at how he introduced that oh those are transitions that I use with my students with writing oh look at Absolutely. how they set it up oh this is paragraph one this is body paragraph two this is body uh, and each body paragraph was like another like element or argument in their topic that I was like oh my gosh like I would come home and like literally write out things that they said that I loved that were like great hooks or leads Mm. um and then I was like well this is a five paragraph essay if I ever saw one (laughs) and it was like okay so you're gonna write a five paragraph essay but guess what we're gonna play around with the voice we're gonna play Mm. around with the structure and we're gonna record it and make our own radio lab style podcast and we're gonna add interviews and we're gonna add sound effects to really emphasize our main point so it is a five paragraph essay if anybody really wants to know (laughs) when you look at the structure and you take everything away um they have their intro they have their closing and then they always have their three little arguments to support what they're trying to solve um and that's sort of how I went about it I just started breaking down things and like oh that's what this is. This is, we're just calling it something else. So it's like when I, you know, I say I've gamified my entire, like, uh, my English class or like where my students are like doing a dystopian unit and they have different missions to follow. It's like, okay, well, I'm still doing the same stuff you're doing, but I just put a whole story to it and I'm making my students do all these challenges and they get a few badges here and there and accumulate (laughs) lots of points and then they get powers and privileges. Oh my God, it's gamified but it's also reading and writing and exploration into dystopian young adult literature. So I moved away from the classroom from teaching Spanish. And for the past couple of years now, I'm a instructional coach. And specifically, I work with technology. Um, And I was really excited as far as within your book that you share tips for teachers on how to make thoughtful decisions when using technology. It's the thing that we talk about all the time to be sure that it's supporting the learning and not driving it as you put as far as inside of your book. Can you share some of those tips with our listeners? Because too often, I think, especially if you live anywhere in social media, Mm -hmm. the tools will be blasted at you. You know, if you know what I mean, like you're like, oh, we you should be using this tool. And that's great, except that you got to start somewhere else before you start, you know, you start actually using the tools to be able to make these things actually happen. So what are some of those tips for our listeners? Well, I think, you know, the first tip I'm going to take and I'll reference Monica Burns, who is a great uh, educator, consultant and author. And her book is, uh, tasks before apps you know Mm -hmm. when we're designing something we're not like oh i want to use this and everything has to be geared around that particular app or platform it's really about you know what are your clear-cut objectives first or breaking Mm -hmm. down the whole understanding by design or designing uh backwards and then thinking about where the technology fits in to support and really elevate your teaching. So is it going to help as an adaptive or an assistive technology? Is it going to 
take my lesson to the next level and, you know, help my students share their writing with other people um, and a wider, larger audience. But it's not just like I'm using technology for technology's sake. So, you know, we all have our like favorite tools, but that doesn't mean like every lesson has to have uh, a video response or uh, throw in a video and answer your questions at the end. But think about how is by using, I'm going to name drop a few <laughs> platforms. I don't want to get in trouble. But <laughs> no, you're like, fine. you know, if, if we're going to use an Ed Puzzle, are, mm-hmm. are, I mean, are you just using it as a visual worksheet and like offering 15 questions? I mean, how is that helping your students like be so critical consumers of knowledge and, and show their understanding? Um, like, oh, wow, I threw in that Ed Puzzle and there's 15 questions within a three minute video. <laughs> That's the same as like giving your students like a reading and yes. 15 multiple choice questions. It's the, you know, it's. Um, cool Vicki Davis of, of Cool Cat Teacher Blog. She calls mm-hmm. it like the chocolate over broccoli. It's yes, you know. So you know what's you, what's your what's your real purpose and objective with the technology, and and think about you know wh- how is it taking your students' learning to the next level. So in a little bit over a month from now, I believe we're going to see each other yes. in Miami, Florida. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's going to be beautiful and warm there. Yes, I hope we're, so. We're about to get a blizzard here in Minnesota. So <laughs> I I'm heard just like, that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to that January uh, Florida weather. What are you presenting on down there at FETC? So I'm presenting on personalized reading and digital tools that are going to support enhanced reading skills for all students. So a little universal design, a lot of reading and literacy, and and what are the ways that we can help all of our students reach excellence? That's awesome. So if people are interested in connecting with you and they want to be able to find your books, for example, which are amazing, where can they do that? Thank you. Um, so you can go to my blog, theteachingfactor.com. You can follow me on Twitter, although I've been taking a little time <laughs> off of Twitter <laughs> to put family <laughs> first. Um, yes. But uh, that's Teaching Factor. Um, and then you can also find my books at the ISTEs, uh, their website, as well as Amazon. So awesome. And I share a thank lot of other things on my blog. Absolutely. And actually your blog is fantastic. I've oh, actually shared you. it with my wife. Again, she's an English language arts teacher and she is finding so many awesome resources on just exploring barely, you know, barely kind of going and starting to dig through some of your materials. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Thank you so much for coming onto the show today. Thank you. Thank and- you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see you soon then, okay? Sounds like a plan. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. 
If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.